Back when I was younger, I took students to a conference that had street evangelism, which also meant that I needed to do some of the street evangelism. Now, street evangelism or street witnessing is when you go up to total strangers and you walk through a series of questions that would lead them to talking about Jesus and then give them an invitation to whether or not they would want to follow Jesus for themselves. Now, I'm an evangelistic person. In fact, one of my spiritual gifts is the, the gift of evangelism. But in no way do I find it comfortable to walk up to total strangers and just start talking about Jesus. It's not my preference. So one of the first places that we went to in this conference was also one of the first times I'd ever done this. And this was in Canmore, Alberta. We went up to the first guy that we talked to and uh, we introduced ourselves. He introduced himself as Jedi J. And then he started talking about the force. And it got to a point in the conversation that it was a little awkward. As we continued on, he started talking about how real these things are. And, and we, I thought he was pulling our, our legs, but he was actually literally telling us, I believe that the force is real from Star Wars. And that's his belief system. Now, needless to say, that day, I didn't lead Jedi J to Christ. Nor did any of my conversations get that far. Though I heard a lot of no's, way more no's than yeses. But there were some yeses that, that started to, to, to get me a little bit of hope. That there were some people that said, you know, I hear about that. I'm going to go away and think about this message of Jesus. Now, the funny thing is about Jedi J is, is maybe he's a believer now. Like, I don't know what difference I made in his life. I may have planted a seed. I may have, have caused him to think more about this thing. But maybe he is a follower of Jesus. Maybe he found the true force, the power of Jesus. And now he's living for Jesus now. And I just don't know. But the thing that I've learned through this, this is that I need to keep sharing the gospel. That I need to keep sharing the good news of Jesus that we are called to do this because we don't know the difference that we could make. We don't know where it will end up. And what is the gospel? Well, let's define it. The gospel is the good news that God has done in Jesus Christ, that there is salvation for all who call on the name of the Lord. So that's the gospel. So how do you find sharing the gospel? Do you find it easy? Do you find it hard? You know, when was the last time that you shared that with someone? If you're like me, I, I don't find it easy at all. I find it quite hard to just talk about Jesus with people I don't know. We are in a series on the resilient church. And I'm excited to share with you some of these possibilities and these things because I'm learning them too. Today we're going to look at this statement, this statement that I've, that I've created. It's to be a resilient people, the church, we will need to share the good news of Jesus more often. So what street witnessing taught me was that even though I didn't feel comfortable about sharing my faith to total strangers, I shouldn't discri discriminate and assume that they don't want to hear about Jesus. Now, nowhere in the Bible does it say you need to first become friends with someone before you share your faith. But I will admit that friendship evangelism 
is definitely my preferred way, and I feel most comfortable with that type of sharing my faith, to first become a friend of someone before sharing. But what I've learned, I've learned through this process is that Jesus may ask me to step outside of that and to invite someone who maybe I don't know so well. Which causes this crisis of obedience. And what is this crisis? That because sharing the gospel is more important than my comfort or my preference. Because people need Jesus. People are dying without Jesus. And people are going to live in eternity without Jesus unless someone tells them. Do you believe this? Do you believe this to be true? It means that some of the time, I am that person that needs to share. Needs to share the gospel. Well, in the story today, we have two main characters. The first is Cornelius. Cornelius is a God-fearing man. That's what he's known for. He's a centurion, but he doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. Peter is the other character, main character, and he's one of the apostles of Jesus. So let's dive into the story in Acts chapter 10, verses 1 to 8. It says this. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. Then the angel spoke to him. When the angel spoke, who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So we see that Cornelius was sensitive to God's leading and open to hearing from God. And that openness really did change his life. Cornelius had a vision that included an angel. And interesting that this angel knew his name. He was known by God. He learns that his prayers were heard and he was told to send for Peter. Now, Cornelius, you have to understand, did all the right things. He looked like a Jesus follower, but he was not in relationship with Jesus. So in comes Peter into the story and we continue on in reading the story in Acts chapter 10, verses 9 to 23. And it says this, About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on a roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. 
Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so go up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. So Peter was praying. He was already in that posture and, 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 and to receive a divine message, unaware that there was men coming to see him. It says he fell into a trance. He saw all this sheet with all these animals. And, and, and it's actually, when we read into the text and see that, that it's, that's the words of Jesus. So it's Jesus who is speaking in the vision to Peter, asked him to do something uncomfortable which was to be accepting to those who didn't feel worth, were worth accepting, to go to those he wasn't sure he should accept. So let me ask you this. If Jesus asked you to do something uncomfortable, would you be willing? The men said to, that they needed Peter to come with him to hear everything he had to say, which I don't think Peter really knew exactly what to say. He knew he needed to be obedient and follow after that, because he knew Jesus told him to. It's interesting that it was the angel that met Cornelius, but Jesus who met Peter in this vision. It reminds me of how angels attend those who are close to accepting Christ. Like in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, that says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to those who will inherit salvation? So let's continue to read Acts 10, 23 to 27. It says, The next day Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But, P but Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. While talking with Peter, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. I like seeing that Cornelius knew in faith that Peter would come. Just think of it. He wouldn't have gotten a text from Peter say, giving him his ETA, his estimated time of arrival, to say, oh, I'm going to be here at this time. He, Cornelius just expected him to come, believed in faith that Peter was going to come. So he gathered his friends and, and close relatives to be part of this, to hear this message. And then Peter saw that these non-Jews, these Gentiles, were gathered by God to hear a message and seeing that it was Jesus who orchestrated it, Peter was convinced that, convinced that this must be from God. And he says this in verse 28. 
He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with our vis- or visit a Gentile, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So Peter knows that the only way that he knows that the gospel is for everyone. That he shouldn't discriminate and say it's only for certain people. The gospel is for everyone. He shows that he believes this in verse 36 when he says to the people that are standing there, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. To be obedient and witness to these non-Jews, there's a big shift in Peter's thinking, a big paradigm shift. He now needs to show resilience to something God has called him to do. And he wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for Jesus telling him to do it. So let's read the conclusion of the story, verses 44 to 48. It says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So after sharing the gospel with them, all of them came to Christ. And then the Jews that were st- with, came with Peter, they got to experience the whole thing. They were witnesses of the whole thing. So now let's talk more about this passage and pull things out in regards to resilience and what God has called us to be as the church. So what is the church? Well, the church is a gathering of people for worship, community, and mission. The church is not a Sunday. The church is not a service. And it's not a building. It is a people. So to be the resilient church, we need to be prepared to do things that might be out of the ordinary. We need to be prepared to do things that we might not always think is right in our own minds. We will need to intentionally take risks. You know, a couple of months ago, I was, again, street witnessing. You would think that I learned my lesson. But I was street witnessing with my friend who's a pastor. And we were in Abbotsford and we were driving around looking for people to talk to and praying that God would bring us to a place where we can have a conversation. We drove past this Christian church and something struck us really funny. At the, at the base of this Christian church, just underneath this awning, there was five Sikh men in turbans sitting around and chatting. We thought this is a great opportunity to ask them why they feel comfortable being by this church. So we drove into the parking lot, walked up to them, and my friend started the conversation. He said, we noticed that you're, you're Sikh and you're in front of this church and, you know, do you feel comfortable here? And I started asking these questions. They, they responded in broken English, so it was kind of hard to hear, but, but they did we did come to the conclusion that this church is in, a, is, a, is in this community and opens its doors regularly to anybody. And for meals, for community events, and yet this, that neighborhood is predominantly Sikh by far. So this church is reaching out to those people. 
We walked away from that conversation and ran into another South Asian family who weren't in turbans or weren't more kind of in a Western dress. So we asked them, well, we told them we were pastors and we asked them if we could pray for them and more so that we could pray in the name of Jesus Christ. They were more than welcome and more than happy and more than thankful to be able to have us pray for them. And so they gladly received that from us. Now, I think there's some lessons to learn in this story. A big one is that we shouldn't just assume that people don't want to be prayed for and don't want to talk about Jesus. I learned that people were very open to, uh, to hearing and praying and, and being talked to by pastors. We should not make the decision for somebody to assume that they just don't want to talk. And sometimes these people may even decide to follow Jesus, which brings us to my next story. In March 2012, I was in a church before this church that went to do missions, missions in Mexico to the same place that we go to as Southridge. In these trips, we were doing house builds and throughout the, the week, we would build a house and we would spend a lot of time with the family. They would get to see us, they would interact with us, they would see our, our faith lived out. At the end of the week, we would do a commission to hand over the keys and offer to, uh, to share the love of Jesus with them. So as I did so through a translator, I shared it from 2 Corinthians on how we are compelled to love and to give and because Christ has done a work in us, so we want to do this, the same to, to them. I didn't go so far as to share the gospel with them, but I really felt that I needed to share that message. The translator turned to me uh, right after I finished and I heard them listening and I listened to them talking in Spanish and she said, uh, this family has observed you all week and they watched your team and they want to have the same faith that you have. They want to have a relationship with Jesus. Can I lead them to Christ now? And I couldn't believe it. I said, of course, a little embarrassed that I didn't do it myself. And then sure enough, she turned and led the family to Christ, the two parents and three children. I could hear their voices, the Spanish mixed with tears, repeating what the translator was saying. Now I learned that I, I, that I didn't necessarily understand that I think there's times where we need to go all the way. We need to share, but we need to offer an opportunity for some people. We can't just assume that they may not want to know or they may not be ready for it. There may be times where people are more ready than you may, may understand or may believe. Why should we share the gospel with others? Why bother? Why bother doing it? Well, because without Jesus, people will live eternally without him when they die. One author once said this, the gospel is not a way to get people to heaven. It is a way to get people to God. It's a way of overcoming every obstacle to everlasting joy in God. If we don't want God above all things, we have not been converted by the gospel. You see, people live without the blessing of knowing Jesus in their lives while they live. This is the mission of the church, that we need to be sharing Jesus with those who don't know him. We might want to give up because sharing is hard. It's not easy. We can't give up sharing. We need to be a resilient and obedient people. We need to prayerfully push through the fear of rejection 
that I know a lot of us feel. I know I feel at times. Now, you may not be an evangelist, nor do you feel like you have the gift of evangelism. But we are all, yes, all of us, are commanded to make disciples of all nations. As it says in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, we're all supposed to be doing this. As a resilient people, the church, we get, we get to share the good news of Jesus more often. So what stops us from sharing the gospel? And what stopped Peter? Well, one big one is excuses. I think we all have a lot of excuses, don't we? I know I do. And I know Peter did because he had to hear the message three times before he really got it. James Bacardo, in his book, Unsilenced, lists a bunch of these excuses that you may identify with. And he highlights them. So let's look at them. The first excuse number one, that church services are the best way to reach people. Now, sure, Jesus does and still will use church services to reach people. But if you think about it, if every church service was filled to capacity, there still wouldn't be enough room for everyone who still needed to hear about Jesus. Excuse number two, we don't believe the unreached experience hell when they die. Now, this is a really tough one. It's a big problem in our culture. Even just leaving people with the idea that if they don't know Jesus, they're still going to get to heaven someday. This is still an excuse, but it's also false. Excuse number three, to share your faith, but be friends first. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus uses you to reach your friends. Absolutely. But just consider that he may be actually asking you at times to reach out to some strangers as well. Excuse number four, most people are led to Jesus by a close friend. Now, you only have so much space in your life. And Pastor Brent, a number of years ago, used an analogy of connecting with people as Lego bricks. You can imagine a Lego brick has all these little bumps on it where things can get attached to. We only have so many spots in our life to make friends, deep friendships. So what happens when that is all full? Does it mean that that there's there's going to be not a chance for some people that you just can't quite get deep enough with to hear about Jesus. I think it's true that, that we need to allow for people who aren't our friends to also hear from us the gospel. Otherwise, are they just doomed to be without Jesus? Excuse number five, everyone in my area has already, already heard already. If you've used this before, your world is probably too small. Or you've successfully surrounded yourself just with Christian people. So ask yourself, how am I going to live out the Great Commission in obedience to Jesus if I've removed all contact with non-Christian people? And it finally, excuse number six, fear of all kinds or fear of rejection. Maybe you feel like you aren't sure what to say. Well, that's an excuse because, of course, you can learn what to say, right? Or how about this? I'm just scared of people. Maybe you've heard stories about how people are just hostile to Christians. Well, that's an excuse as well. To be a resilient people, 
the church, we will need to share the good news with others more often, despite our fears. Whatever excuses that may come to mind, whatever ones that maybe you can identify with, if you're interested in learning more about this and learning how to reach out to share the gospel and to pray for your neighborhoods, I want to invite you to uh, an evening called Gospel Explore that I'm hosting on May 10th at 7 p.m. You can sign up on our website. We're going to talk about stories and strategies and thoughts and ideas. I'm going to share some of my own. I want to hear some of yours as well to hear about how we, Southridge, can really let others know about how Jesus has transformed us. So I go back to this question again of why should we be sharing the good news more regularly? Well, because it's, as we learn in the story of, of Peter and Cornelius, the gospel is the heart of God. God used Peter to reach new people groups, people that weren't reached before, and God wants you to use you to do the same. So let's focus our energy on making disciple, making disciples. You'll die someday. The day is going to come. So reproduce or replace yourself by working hard at creating a legacy to helping just one more person to know Jesus. Then maybe do it one more time to multiply Christ's kingdom. And then you've exponentially uh, grown in the impact of who you are and how you are as a Christian. But to overcome our fear, we will need to persevere, to be resilient. It is through us, you and I, the church, that people will hear about Jesus. Otherwise, people will die not knowing him. We have to keep sharing. We have to no matter what. Just think about the Mexican family that was led to, to Christ by the translator. The parents came to Christ, the kids came to Christ, and now their kids and their kids and their grandkids have a chance of hearing about Jesus. All because we've made this action, or the translator was able to lead them to Christ. So how about you? Are you ready to be resilient, overcoming fear, and be fearless for Jesus? Jesus might be asking some of us right now to show resilience and help reach people, people that are maybe moving into our neighborhoods who don't look like they would, they would want to hear about Jesus. Is this you? So my challenge for you, if this is you, is to notice those people and be loving towards them, to share and to show the love of Jesus in you. And tell them that Jesus loves them and Jesus wants a relationship with them too. So the second opportunity I want to offer you is to join me in being a missional prayer walker. So this idea of a missional prayer walker is, is based upon how there's unique areas of Langley. There's unique areas that you probably live in, places that you work, places that you play, parks that you go to, shops that you go to. You can intentionally go and meet with people to get to know the workers, the, co the, the customers, the, the people passing by to ask to pray for people, to, to adopt a neighborhood, and to really delve into that and be the light of Christ in those neighborhoods. You see, we need to till the ground before we see a harvest. We need to till the ground before we can see a harvest. So let's do that. There are loads of people that live near you that don't know Jesus. 
So let's get out there, overcome our fears, and be the bringer of the gospel to these people that don't know him so that they can know the goodness of Jesus too. So to be a resilient people, the church, we will need to share the good news of Jesus more often. Let's be open to new ideas and adapt and change like Peter did. And Peter did this because he set his eyes on Jesus and was resilient. So let's let our eyes be set on Jesus and be resilient. Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus, for the message today. We want to be a resilient people. Lead us within the neighborhoods in which we live, whether it's Murrayville or Brookswood or Langley City, Willoughby, Walnut Grove, Fort Langley, Aldergrove, even to parts of White Rock and Cloverdale and Surrey and Maple Ridge or Abbotsford or any of the places that we find ourselves. May we share the good news of your story without hesitation. Give us courage. Diminish the fear for us. And may new people hear of the good news of Jesus Christ from our lips, for it is through the powerful name of Jesus in whom we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for watching. I, I trust that Jesus is speaking to you. And I look forward to hearing stories of how you've been courageous, you've set aside all fears, and you've shared the gospel with somebody maybe that you don't even know. We look forward to hearing, you back, to hearing that you're back next week as we continue in the Resilient Church series. Have a great week.